Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. It's good to be back with you guys and uh, to a church we dearly love. And I know this is one of those days when a whole bunch of people are gone and traveling, but, uh, but we're, we're the opposite. We got family in town and, and they've come to town, so we're just thrilled to, to be here and be able to share this, um, this time together. Well, if you're uh, expecting a message about America, I, I'm, you're going to be disappointed. Um, I never, ever, ever want to cheat anybody out of the gospel. And so uh, don't ever intend to preach a message about America. Uh, the gospel is so much, much more important. I want to preach about eternal things, things that will last forever. Uh, and uh, no country will, not even this country that I love with all my heart. Uh, I'm a patriot, but I don't preach about America. I preach the gospel. Now, on the other hand, um, the gospel intersects with real life and real culture. So um, it's perfectly fine for us to talk about um, issues and things about our, our country. Um, we call this Independence Day, and I've always, always felt like that was a mistake. I don't think anybody will ever hear me say Happy Independence Day, because we became a nation not because of our independence, but because of our dependence. And when we are more independent as a nation, you will always see a negative result in this country. When we are more dependent on Christ and on each other, you will see a healthier nation. So I actually um, feel like I do preach about America every time I preach the gospel to some extent. Because if we want to have a better country, a stronger country, if that's important to us, the gospel is the only answer to that. Only answer to that. So um, I, if I gave this message a title, I'd just call it a movement of liberty. I do like that word liberty. It's a good word. It's a Bible word. And we know that the word liberty means, uh, means freedom. Um, but freedom and liberty in the political sense um, has not made us better. In, in fact, it would be hard to argue that we're not at one of the worst times in the history of our nation when it comes to the moral status of our nation, when it comes to uh, the church in our nation, when it becomes, comes to the unity or disunity of, of our nation, um, the, the, the lack of almost everything the Scripture shows as good among a people. Um, we call good evil and evil good. We don't know what to do about our divisions. And, uh, and, and so freedom or liberty in the way that we often think about it has not measured up for us, and it never will. It never will. Any freedom or liberty that can, that can be won and maintained by human effort will ultimately fail us. And so what if we, what if we looked at liberty through Jesus' eyes? What, what if we actually looked at the words of Jesus when he had actually said, hey, things are a mess, but I have a better way. I have a way that will bring liberty and freedom and rest and relief to everything in your life, your family, and even to a city or a nation. What if Jesus actually said that? Well, he did. And so that's what we're going to look, what we're going to look at today. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. 
beginning with verse 25, I think one of the most encouraging passages in all the Bible that we don't understand very well. (laughs) Because if you want to really make sure you're understanding the Bible, make sure you read what's around the passage. Make sure you understand why, uh, in this case, Jesus is saying this. What, what, what has he been talking about? What has he been doing? When you get the context of what's being talked about, you'll understand the Bible a lot better. So let's, let's read this passage, and then I'll, I'll, I'll go backward a little bit and show you uh, the context of it. Matthew 11, verse 25. Uh, At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. The word literally means babies. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and I love this, no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Jesus can choose to reveal everything about God to us if He wants to. Hmm, Willie, well, look at what He says next. Come to me. Hmm. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest is a pretty good synonym for liberty. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly or meek in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Twice he uses the synonym for liberty. Rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what is the context of this? What is Jesus talking about? Well, it says in verse 25, at that time, Jesus declared, at what time? What what was going on? What was he doing? Well, let me back up just a minute here and look at verse 20. Just the, the section right before this passage shows what time it was, what Jesus was doing. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done. Why? Why in the world would Jesus be denouncing cities? Because they did not repent. Now, what's Jesus talking about? Well, if you, we won't look at this passage carefully, but he talks about a city called Chorazin. He talks about uh, another, uh, an, another city called Capernaum, where he had spent a, most of his ministry, actually. And, and he says, mighty things happened there. He, he, he said, I did mighty things there. I healed sick people. I cast out demons. I brought freedom and liberty right there to the whole city. And they rejected it. They didn't want anything to do with it. And because they won't repent, there's a curse rather than a blessing. Wow, those are tough words for Jesus to speak right before he speaks one of the most encouraging passages in the Bible. But I actually find all that really cool and encouraging because that, what that means is there's nothing that disqualifies you or me from the most encouraging things Jesus ever says. If he says those things to the, to, in, to the people that have rejected everything he wanted to do, then there's hope for all of us Hope for this nation, hope for whatever you're going through in your life right now. Uh, All of our families together, except for our son and his wife and our little granddaughter. She developed pneumonia and they were not able to travel. Broke our hearts. We haven't been together uh, in our home in two years with COVID as a family. So we we were hoping we'd have everybody, but almost everybody. But my son would have enjoyed this story if he were here today. 
um, when, when he was a little, little guy, we had Christmas, uh, a Christmas tradition. We still have it to this day. Uh, when, in our family, we put the Christmas tree up. We put the lights on. We don't turn them on. We put them on, all the decorations, and then we turn off every light. It's pitch black dark. We get the little kids around us. They're all scared. And then I say something like, now I introduce to you the Avent family Christmas tree of 2020, whatever. And we, we put, plug them in. Ta-da, the lights come on. All right. And then we sing. It's one of our traditions. So one year when Trey was a little, little guy, we did that. And uh, I said, now the Avent family Christmas tree of whatever year that was. And I plugged them in. And we went, Wow. <laughs> We don't know why, but our little, our little son, a little at the time, burst out. And he said, well, God bless America. <laughs> God, his holidays may be a little bit mixed up. But the, the problem is we have no sign that America wants God's blessing at this point. And not a lot we can really do about that. It's another reason I don't preach messages specifically about America. I, I like to be able to go out from a message that I receive or, the, or, or that I preach and share with people I love and say, hey, there's something we could actually do about, about this. And I, I, I don't know what we would do today that would change America. But I know I can be changed and you can be changed because the Lord said the key is repentance. In our ministry at Life Action, we, we approach repentance as, as great news. We think Christians have given the word repent of, of really bad meaning. And sometimes when you hear repent, you think of somebody with a sign, turn or burn, repent. Um, but, but the book of Acts actually says when we repent, seasons of refreshing come. Whoa, I don't know who doesn't need that. I talk about that all the time. Repentance is one of the best things that can ever happen. Because uh, anybody here ever been in bondage to something in your life, to some sin or habit or problem, and, and, and couldn't, couldn't be free? Uh, but if there's somebody that can set you free from that, that is wonderful news. Well, the word repent means you're going one direction. You realize, wow, this direction's really bad. <laughs> it's leading to lots of bad stuff. I don't want to go this way anymore. I wish there was another way to go. And realizing, hey, there is. I don't have to go this way anymore. I, I don't even have to do it on my own power. I feel the power of another turning me and the Spirit of God moving me and walking with me in a much better direction. That's repentance. It's not something we do on our own. It's something the power of the Spirit and the Spirit of God alone can do in me and in you. Jesus said the reason cities and governments are so messed up is because they won't repent. But we can. So maybe America doesn't want to be blessed right now uh, as a, a, a nation. There's no sign of that. But you can be. You don't have to live under a curse of no repentance. You can live under blessing if you, if you want to. But if we're going to turn, where? If the word repent means turn, where, where should we turn? That is exactly what Jesus is telling us after he says, listen, I did all these great things. These cities saw everything. I mean, has our country not been blessed? I mean, my goodness, if we don't repent, then we'll deserve anything that comes our way. But, but Jesus says, there's a better way. Let me show it to you. There's, there's a beautiful direction you can turn. And it's a direction full of relief and wonder, and blessing, and liberty, and freedom, and rest for your souls. That's what the word liberty means. The greatest liberty we'll ever find doesn't come even through a revolutionary war. It comes through repentance. 
It comes through making a decision about what matters most in life and finding that that thing that matters most in life is the gospel, the good news of, of Jesus himself. It was uh, March 23rd, 1775, and Patrick Henry said something that's never been forgotten. He said, give me liberty or give me death, standing on the steps of a, of a government building, right? No, actually, um, he, he did that standing in the pulpit of St. John's Church in Richmond, Virginia. It was a part of a sermon he preached where he said, give me liberty or give me death. And if you'd asked Patrick Henry what liberty really meant, he would have had a much deeper answer than just to be free from England because he was a man that, that knew Jesus. Liberty is something we all agree in this country we're losing as a nation. That's something that actually may unite us as a country. I don't know of anybody today that I hear anywhere, personally or on the news, that doesn't think we are losing many of our liberties. But here's the thing. We don't agree on on why. If if you ask a hardcore Republican, why are we losing our liberties? They'll give maybe a completely opposite answer to a hardcore Democrat. And then those two will say, what are you talking about? You're talking about things that are are, are actually terrible things that are happening in our nation. And you think they're good. And they would just clash and disagree. Nobody agrees on why we're losing our liberties. But, you know, that's the wrong question to ask. The question shouldn't be why. That's not really our problem. The question and the problem is where and when did we lose our liberty? Where and when did we begin to lose our liberties? You know what the answer to that is? Um, The where is the Garden of Eden. The when is the beginning of human history. When our ancestors, Adam and Eve, made a horrible, horrible choice, living in the midst of more blessing than the cities of of Chorazin or Capernaum ever saw. They were living in a wonder, a wonder without sin. But there was temptation and they chose it. And the Bible teaches us that since then we've had a fallen nature. We've had a broken, a broken nature. And, and so people will, will, will often talk about innocent children. We're not in, children are not innocent. You ever notice you don't have to teach a child to do the wrong thing? Nobody here has ever had to say to their child, you know what? You are so perfect. You never scream or cry or lay on the floor and kick. You never say, that's mine. You never do any of that. I need to teach you how to do some bad things every now and then. Never happens because from our birth, we are fallen. We are broken. And that's the problem with looking at liberty as something that only applies to a nation. If right now, If I could wave a magic spiritual wand and the whole country of America changed and suddenly we actually had perfect liberty and justice for all. It was right there. Do you know how long that would last? It would last until one human hand, heart, or mind touched it. And then it would start to be corrupted because our flesh, our human nature corrupts everything it touches. So there's only one hope for real liberty. And again, it's the best hope for a nation as well. If one after another after another who are followers of Jesus said, I want to live in liberty, in the actual place that Jesus talked about in this this wonderful passage in Matthew 25 about rest for our souls, the only real hope is to find liberty in Jesus. John chapter 8 Jesus is talking again in a different setting. 
And in verse 32, he says something you may have heard before. People, people now quote this all the time as if it didn't come from the Bible. Secular people quote it and don't even know where it came from. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Even then they didn't get it. People were going, what are you talking about truth? We've never been a slave to anybody. How do we need to be free? What kind of, we know the truth. We know all about the truth. They're arguing with him. And, and Jesus said, no, you're slaves to sin. He said, and as long as you remain without the power of the Spirit, you'll always be a slave. And you'll always be. You'll never have real liberty. But then he says, oh, this is good. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. That's our hope of real liberty. You know, God wants liberty for you. That's why we have this passage. He's offered it to you, but it only comes through truth. It doesn't come through making up our own rules or de deciding how we ought to live, deciding whatever we think is best at the moment. That's where our country is. It's not where you and I have to be. The only thing that has any chance to really set us free is, is truth. And so I want to show you three simple truths that Jesus himself gives us in this passage. And let me tell you, they're deserving of fireworks. They're deserving of fireworks. Man, that was a great question about the fireworks story. We, we, we have so many fireworks stories in our family, we've lost track, including, well, last New Year's where we thought everything had gone well for a, a, when our Avent family fireworks show for a change until one of our grandchildren yelled, fire, 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 and people are running upstairs, and I thought the house was on fire, I'm running all around, and then we realized the yard was on fire. <laughs> We had not quite put them out and the yard was on fire. Hopefully that won't happen today. These are truths that are worthy of fireworks. Here's number one. Jesus is happy around messy people. Jesus is happy around messy people. So right after he says, you know, all the mighty and the good things I do will not ultimately change you. Not just watching those things. He, he, he said, it's, it's about a person. He said, I... I need you to know that it's about what my father, who he is and who he can make you. He's Lord of heaven and earth. But he says he's, he's hidden these things from the, the wise and the, and the understanding. But he reveals them to little babies. Listen, verse 26, listen to this. Yes, Father, Jesus is talking to his father. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. That's a strong word. Gracious will <laughs> means this is exactly what the Lord loved doing. He loves taking everything that he has to give us and saying, look, if you think you can figure this out on your own, good luck, but you're never going to understand me and you're never going to understand liberty as long as you think you know it all. Never going never gonna to happen. It's impossible for arrogant, powerful people in their own eyes to understand God or liberty. But Jesus says, but babies can get it. <laughs> you know what, what every baby has in common? Every single one of them, they are a mess. <laughs> every single one of them. We're about to go out the door to come, to come here. And my, my daughter's going, I got to go change Judah. He's a mess. You know? No, and, and, and you know what? He's been with us now, what, you've been with us six days. He's not had one day where he wasn't a mess. Regularly. I mean, if it's not that end, it's this end. You know, he just had his two-year-old birthday, his birthday party, he's smearing stuff all over him, and he thinks it's wonderful, but somebody's got to clean him up. So, you know, at, at some points, we just get tired of it, and we say, this is enough. It's raining. Put him outside. And let it rain, you know? And he, so he won't be a mess. No, he would never do that. Why? Because he's wonderful. 
He's a wonderful mess, and we love him, even though he's a mess. That's what Jesus is saying, and it's incredibly good news. He's, he's saying, look, you, you're not going to understand liberty in all of your secular and human wisdom, but you can, you can be the biggest mess in this place, and you can, you can have liberty because he said, I love to give it to babies. I, I, I love to give it to those who, who know they don't know much and who know they are, they are a mess. That's why I, I've learned in four decades of ministry not to put a lot of trust in people that haven't been broken. When everything has always gone well, be very, very careful about putting too much trust in that person. We, we need to walk through those messy times where we go, man, I have, I have messed up big time. You know, Peter thought he was hot stuff, swinging swords in the garden and cutting ears off people until he was denying that he even knew Jesus and weeping and crying and running for his life just a little few hours later. But after that, things began to change. When the Lord said, now it's time to go feed my sheep. I'll fill you up. You don't have to be cool, strong, tough, Peter. Just be mine. Just be mine. Jesus is happy around messy people. For some of you, right now you ought to be going, hey, maybe there's hope for me. Because if that's what Jesus is looking for, wow, he's looking for me. Because I am a wrecked mess. Well, listen, Jesus will meet you right here as a mess. And he'll go out there with you as a mess. He won't leave you a mess. He'll take your mess and transform it into something different. And then you'll have another mess, and you'll take that and transform it into something different. All you need to know is Jesus is happy around messy people, and he'll be happy around you if you know you're a mess. Truth number two, Jesus has all the liberty you need. Jesus has all the liberty you need. I, I do weep for our nation, but you know who I weep more for? I weep more for the church in this country. I, I weep for what most churches have become because this country ought to be able to look at almost any church. Just find one. Just find any church where people go, hey, here we follow Jesus. And anybody in this nation, any politician, any state legislature, Congress itself ought to be able to say, hey, we really need to know what to do. Let's go to church. <laughs> Well, let's go to that one. How about that one? Maybe this one. Oh, well, let's try this one today. And they ought to be able to walk in and go, ah, oh, oh, man, we were messing things up so badly. We needed to remember the one who everywhere he went, he was doing justice and mercy and caring for the broken and sharing good news. And he didn't leave people in their sin, but neither did he condemn them and judge them. He, he came to them to say, come on with me and, and I'll change you. Oh, there's so much to learn here. But most lost people wouldn't even find themselves very welcome in most churches. So I grieve much more for the church in this country than I do for the country itself. But everything we have to change is right here in front of us. Jesus has all the liberty you need. Verse 27, what a powerful verse. All things, let's just stop there a minute. All things, all things. This is the one who created the universe. If he says all things, there's not a footnote. There's not an asterisk. All things 
have been handed over to me by my Father. All the questions you don't have answers for, all the tears you've shed and don't know why, all the decisions you don't know what to do about, all the, the needs you have in front of you and you have no idea how in the world those needs are going to be met, all the loneliness, all the forgiveness, all the peace, you need, all of it have been handed over to a, Nazar- a Jew from Nazareth, born of a virgin and a carpenter's who ra- a carpenter raised him, but born of a virgin and the father from heaven. This unbelievable, crazy story has come to pass and everything has been handed to him. Everything. No one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son. That's why we mess things up so badly. That's why sometimes, you ever scratch your head? I was talking to a guy called me up. I hadn't talked to him in a couple of years. He called me up this way. He said, I just missed talking to you. We talked a while. And he said, John, sometimes I just go, I hear something in the news and I'll go, that's not real, is it? Because that doesn't even make any sense. Anybody would know that's dumb, stupid, foolish, crazy, but, but that's become like what's known as right and good. And yeah, because nobody knows the Father except Jesus. Nobody knows Jesus except the Father. We're, we're just out of luck, man. We're way up the creek with no paddle. Except for this. And anyone. No one knows God. No one knows Jesus. No one knows anything about how to live. Except anyone can. But, but what's the qualification? To whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Do you know Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 says Jesus holds the whole world together? The whole universe together? Colossians 1, 17, you can look it up for yourself. He holds the whole universe together. You don't think he can hold you together? He holds everything together. But if we live oblivious to that, then we're going to find ourselves wandering around listening to what somebody, well, that makes sense. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, that didn't make sense last week, last year, a decade ago. But it, I guess it makes sense now because people tell me it, it does and I'm so confused. And you'll live your whole life that way. Unless, unless the one who has all the liberty you need reveals himself to you and you realize, hey, hey, I'm living in liberty. I'm, in, I'm convinced most Americans go through their whole life absolutely oblivious to the liberty in which they could live, shouting out for independence and freedom and liberty and living in every form of bondage when right there is all the liberty they need. And they're living right there in it, but totally oblivious to it. We went on a vacation um, a while back and uh, took my wife away on a, just a very short um, post-COVID getaway. And we went to this, um, this beach in Florida. Never been there before. Maybe some, some of you have. Anybody been to Anna Maria Island? Okay. Okay, we went to Anna Maria Island. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And stayed in a you know, very little, just a little hotel on the beach. It was nice. And um, we basically just rested and were together. And I, I like to run on the beach. So um, I, I said, hey, there's, a, there's like a beach club down there or something. And uh, I think I'm just going to run down there, see what it is. And just curious. So I ran, it's pretty good ways, I don't know, a mile or so, ran down there, and I knew the beach where we were staying, the particular beach where our hotel was, was called Holmes Beach. 
And I got, I got down there, and there's a bunch of people running. There's all kinds of people. It was a beach club. And uh, I wondered, what beach is this? What beach is this? And what is the name of this club? So uh, I see this guy. This dude's just standing there. And I said, hey, I'm staying down the beach. And I'm just wondering, what's this beach called? And he said, Holmes Beach. I said, Holmes Beach? I, th- I thought Holmes Beach was down there. That's where my hotel is. And he goes, no, this is it, buddy. You're at, you're at Holmes Beach. I said, Holmes Beach? How are you spelling that? This is H-O-M-E-S. I went, this is called Holmes Beach? Because down there it's called Holmes Beach. He goes, no, dude. This whole thing is Holmes Beach. He said, I've grown up here all my life. This is called, Hol- this is called Holmes Beach right here. H-O-M-E-S. And I went, well, what's, what's this beach club called? He goes, dude, <laughs> Holmes Beach Club. And I went, oh, okay. Well, thank you. And I started going back and I thought, that ain't right. <laughs> That's just not right. So I kind of circled around, and I didn't want the guy to see me and, and, and feel bad, but I kind of circled around, and I walked up to the beach club, and there's a sign right there, and it says Manatee Beach Club. Right there, Manatee Beach Club. And I went, there's a guy selling ice cream and stuff, and I went, and I said, hey, is this Manatee Beach Club? And he goes, yeah, yeah, man, Manatee Beach Club sign right there. And, and what is the name of this beach that we're on? Holmes Beach. I said, could you spell that for me? H-O-L-M-E-S. Yes, I knew I was right. And I ran ran all the way back. But it struck me on my run back home. There is a human being who has lived at least 20 years of his life and does not know the name of the city where he lives, the beach where he was, or the beach club that he was currently at. I'm thinking that might be because of a little, you know, of that. But for whatever reason, he was oblivious to where he lived. I I don't want to live that way. I don't want anybody else to live that way. I sure don't want to live that way spiritually. And what a tragedy it is when Jesus has all the liberty you need and, and you live oblivious to what is right there in front of you. You know why we live in bondage? We choose it. We, we choose it. We, most of us have what we want, but we don't have to live that way. These beautiful truths. Jesus has all the liberty you need, and he loves being around messy people. Wouldn't it be really cool when he says that no one's going to understand God unless, unless I reveal him to them? Wouldn't it be really cool if you or I were, were ones that he was actually thinking about, that he would reveal himself to us? Huh. Immediately after that, he says in verse 28, come to me, come to me. See, here's, here's the final wonderful, beautiful, firework-deserving truth. Jesus invites you to share a life of liberty with him. I mean, it's cool that Jesus has all the liberty you need, But, uh, you know, plenty of people have all the money you need, right? (laughs) Like a bank. Try going in there and saying, hey, I understand you have all the money that I need. I need some. Give it to me. You'll be spending some time in prison. (laughs) So it's one thing for for me to say, Jesus has everything you need. It's another for that to make any real difference for you. That's why it's so amazing that Jesus immediately says, come to me. Yeah, but who's he talking to? You know, really cool people, right, who have tons of spiritual 
understanding and knowledge and education. Well, remember, he's already said those folks don't do a real good job of understanding God. Babies can, but not those folks. So he spells it out. Who is qualified to leave this place today and live in liberty Jesus' way? Not the Republican way or the Democratic way, the Jesus way. Who is qualified? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest or liberty. If you're burdened, you're qualified. You say, yeah, but a lot of this is my own fault. I chose drugs or I chose alcohol. Or I chose to mess up a relationship. Let me show you something really, really cool here. He uses two different words, and in the Greek language, they're very different words. Two different phrases. He says, come to me, all you who labor. You're qualified. Come on. You're, you're qualified for liberty if you labor. And if you're heavy laden, you're qualified. Come on. Well, labor refers to the burdens we place on ourselves. But heavy laden refers to the burdens that others place on us. And Jesus says, I want all of it. So if today you say, you know what? I'm fine. I don't need anything. I'm doing perfectly well. I don't need any God. I don't need any help. Then you won't get any. I hope this goes well for you. It never seems to work out in the long run for anyone that way. Maybe for a day or so, but never in the long run. But if today you're here and you're saying, I'm a mess and it's my own fault, It's my own fault. I have nobody to blame but myself. I have made the worst choices in the history of the earth. I'm laboring. There's a weight on me, and it's about to crush me. Jesus says, come on. Come here. Come here. I want that. Or if you say, I didn't didn't do anything when I was six to cause my stepfather to abuse me. I wasn't responsible for the rape. I didn't choose to lose the person I loved the most in the world. I didn't choose this depression. I didn't choose this loneliness. I'm heavy laden. Jesus says, come on. I want that too. Come on. Now, you should be right now feeling the spiritual goosebumps of Whoa, if this is right, this is something worth anything. And I don't want to miss it. And Jesus said, you don't have to. Because he says, yoke up with me. Yoke up with me. Everyone yokes up to something or someone. Everyone yokes to someone or something. And this is the key to your liberty right now. You know what a yoke is? Uh, A farmer would have an ox. And, and they didn't have any big machinery, so they'd have this wooden thing that he'd stand on. And an ox could pull it, but it'd be slow and hard. So the, the ox would yoke up together. It'd be something that went around their neck so that they weren't in it alone. So that, did you hear me? They weren't in it alone. Everyone yokes to someone or something. Jesus said, the choice is yours. <laughs> I know how two cities have chosen. (laughs) They've yoked up to everything that will destroy them. But you, who are laboring, 
under the weight of your own mess. You who are laboring under the heavy laden burdens that others have placed on you, you have a choice. You can come to me and we'll yoke up together. But here's the thing. When you yoke up with Jesus, you have just yoked with the creator of the universe. How are you going to help him? You're not. He just wants you with him. He just wants you with him. That's all. And that's why the greatest truth of this passage is that Jesus invites you to share a life of liberty with him. And he tells you at heart who he is. If you don't know him or you're kind of searching, you want to know who he is, don't, don't turn on the television. I, I think I told you last time I preached, that was depressing to me on a Sunday morning. I turned on five Christian television shows and turned them all off and felt sick to the stomach, to be honest. Don't, don't worry too much about, about that. I, I'm just going to be real, real honest. You, you've come to a place where, where you, you, you can find something that's real and you can find a Jesus who's real. And there's plenty of other places that you can find that too. But don't get discouraged about false messages of who Jesus is. Jesus tells you who he is. He says, I'm, I'm gentle and I'm lowly at heart. Jesus says, I'm meek and I'm humble. That's it. You know what meekness is? Meekness is peaceful power under control. Peaceful power under control. And Jesus says he'll give it to you. Jesus says he'll give it to you. You know why Jesus can give you meekness? Because he is meekness. Jesus can give you meekness because he is meekness. We can choose this liberty, but there's lots of other choices. We get to decide which one to choose. I want to finish with this. Um, I wrote a book called The Passion Promise years ago. And in it, I, I wrote one of my favorite stories. Probably anybody that's been a member of a church where, where I was pastor has heard me tell this story at some point. Because I think it's one of the great stories I've ever heard. And it involves grape jelly. Back in the, in the Iraqi war... Um, there was a colonel named William Post, and he was in charge, among other things, of all the requisitions of supplies for the entire, uh, the entire army that was um, trying to win the war in Iraq and get rid of Saddam Hussein. And uh, one day he got a, um, a telegram from the Pentagon, and it said, um, we have sent 40 cases of grape jelly, and they appear to have arrived, but they're missing. We don't have any record that you received them. Would you please look at this? And he goes, okay. And he dispatched a private to find the jelly. The private came back. Just gave him a note, said, I can't find the jelly. Oh, don't worry, it's grape jelly. And on he went, you know, supplying and leading the army to win a war. Uh, he got another, another notice from the Pentagon. Hey, you never responded. We, you, we don't know where the grape jelly is. We need to close our books. Where's the grape jelly? Find the grape jelly. <sighs> he sent somebody else. See if you can find this jelly for the Pentagon. Guy came back. I don't know where the jelly is. We can't find the jelly. He goes, don't worry, it's just, not, it's just grape jelly. Finally, he gets a third, a third telegram from the Pentagon. We order you to find this jelly. The books must be closed. Find the missing grape jelly. So I'll just read you from, from my quote in this book. Here's what he said. He wrote back to the Pentagon. He must have been a brave colonel. Sirs, you must decide. I can dispatch the entire army to find your missing jelly, or I can kick Saddam out of Kuwait, but not both. He's still waiting on a reply from the Pentagon. 
I told that story, this is funny, I told that story one day to the legislature of the state of Georgia. I've been invited to speak to them. And I told that story, and it was very quiet when I finished. I thought, I didn't tell it right. That's a pretty funny story. They didn't get it. Afterwards, one of the legislators came up to me. He said, you know why they didn't laugh at that? I said, no. Did I tell it wrong? He said, no. You spoke to a bunch of government bureaucrats. As soon as they heard it, they're still wondering where the jelly is. He said, in fact, as soon as you leave, one of them will make a motion that we appoint a committee to find the jelly. (laughs) I told that story one day. First Baptist Church, West Monroe, Louisiana. A church we loved then and we love now. A church that uh, where a man who happens to be here today, who was a search committee of another church, found me <laughs> and in, invited me to come to Knoxville. We've never regretted a day of that, of being here, center of God's will. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> we love that church. Going back for the 100th anniversary in just a few months. Can't wait. A woman heard that story. Her name was Maddie Lou Lester. A legend. By the time she heard that story, she couldn't come to church anymore. She's in her 90s. She's very weak. But in her younger years, not when she was young, just her younger years, 60s, 70s, 80s, when Maddie Lou realized that somebody was trying to do anything that might take our church away from the center of the gospel to lesser things, she went into action. She was a little old lady. So on the day, long before I was pastor, I never would have pastored that church had it not been for what Maddie Lou did because a young African-American man came forward to join the church and a group of men in that church said, that's never happened before here. We're a white church. We're going to make a motion at the next business meeting that he not be allowed to join. You know what Maddie Lou did? This one little old lady? She went to each of their doors on a Sunday afternoon before the business meeting and knocked and said, I heard what you're going to do. You're not going to do it. If you do, I'll expose you to the whole community. You will not disallow somebody who God made to be my brother. Ooh, they backed away from Maddie Lou Lester. And she did it over and over and over again. Until that church became a wonderful, beautiful place of the gospel and gospel unity. One day, when she was not far from death, she called me to her home, and I went to see her. She said, I love that story. She said, so I've made you some grape jelly. She said, I made you two jars. She said, one, you take and eat. And I want to tell you, nobody makes grape jelly like a little old lady in the church. She said, one, you take and eat, but this one I don't want you to ever eat. She said, I'd like you to put it somewhere where you can see it. And you can remember, John, never to chase the grape jelly. Go after Jesus. Go after his mission. Go after what matters. And to this day, I've never eaten that jelly. Just a few days after that, she called me. She said, I won't be here much longer. How's our mission work going? Tell me about it. I want to hear. You just got back, right? Tell me about people coming to Jesus who had never heard. Tell me you're going to lead the church to stay on the mission, John. I promise, Maddie Lou. A couple days later, 
she began to lose consciousness. And one person in the room heard what she said. The Lord is my shepherd forever. And she died. There's a lot of grape jelly sitting right there in front of you on the shelf. You can go eat it if you want. But you'll lose the war. So put it down forever. Go after Jesus. Because if you do, you will live in liberty and you will find a good shepherd who will be with you now and who will be with you forever. Stand up if you would and just take some time right now and make a decision. So you're a mess. Well, welcome to the human race. And by the way, welcome to Midtown. Lots of messes around you. You don't have to feel alone. So you're a mess, okay? Jesus is happy to be with you. He has all the liberty you need, but that doesn't make a lot of difference to you until you decide to go with him. So look squarely at all the grape jelly that is in front of you, all the stuff you can chase, all the decisions you can make, and choose liberty. Choose liberty. So the band's gonna play, sing, and you're going to have a chance to choose right where you are. Or come talk to Jay or come talk to me. Come talk to anybody around you. If you talk to somebody around you and you say, I, I want to choose liberty. I'm not sure how. If they don't know, well, bring it to somebody who does. Whatever you do, make a choice. Because in a few moments, we're going to walk out of here. I don't know about you. I'm going to go home and I'm going to grill hamburgers. I'm going to eat. Thank God that we live in a country where so far we got to worship freely today and I can go home and make some hamburgers and then we're going to shoot fireworks. As far as I know, no one's going to stop us. That's America, but that's not really liberty. Liberty is what we decide right now to do about Jesus and what matters to him, not what matters to me. So as the band sings, where you are, get up, move around if you need to, come to the altar and pray. You do whatever God tells you to do. Choose liberty, and you will find rest for your souls. And Lord, I pray that's what will happen right now in Jesus' name. Amen.